Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show where you will learn about entrepreneurs who think big and start simple, how to successfully launch your new business with my guest, Jim Price. This episode is part of the Positive Business Conference Series recorded at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business, where industry leaders gather to promote greater well-being and performance through connection with self others, and society for the greater global good. To learn more about PBC, please visit thepositivebusinessconference.com. All righty then, let's get to it. Let's join my conversation with Jim Price that was recorded on location in Michigan. My guest today is Jim Price. Jim is a serial entrepreneur, author, and business educator. For over two decades, he's launched and led several tech-enabled businesses and delivered superior returns for his shareholders through multiple mergers and acquisitions and an IPO. Since 2003, Jim has also held a faculty position at Michigan Ross, where he teaches the startup craft to MBAs and mentors student entrepreneurs from all over the university. And his book is The Launch Lens, 20 Questions Every Entrepreneur Should Ask. And he presented today at the PBC Good and Bad Lessons on Company Culture, from Silicon Valley. Hi, Jim. Nice to have you here. <laughs> it's great to be here, Lisa. Thanks. Oh, this is my pleasure. Let's have some fun with this. Let's talk about Silicon Valley and the culture that we have come to know through the media. Sure. Let's start with HBO, okay? Uh, with uh, <laughs> the, the Silicon Valley show. People ask me, my students, uh, my friends will ask me, wow, that is such a funny show. But it's really scary. That can't be what it's really like. And I say, no, it's scary to me and to my friends because the verisimilitude is remarkable. It is dangerously close to the truth. So it was nailed in the portrayal. They nail it. And let's just capture the essence of that for the listener who might not watch the HBO show. So it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You age out at age 35, so it's better to be under 30. You got to be a bro, that is a man, uh, preferably a white man. So there's, uh, if you will, bro culture. These guys actually sometimes live together in the same houses, build businesses together, and it's not tongue in cheek. They talk about everything they do is, dude, this is going to change the world. Uh, make the world a better place. And the rest of us are looking at this from the outside saying, you know, let's do a reality check on this. Do you realize that you're building an app that will help you jump the line at a bar 
and you're saying you're going to, or, or Dude, whatever this is it is. Change the Dude. world. Dude. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the, yes, there are some things that will change the world for the better. There's renewable energy and so on. Some great inventions over the last 30, 40 years, but they're not all that way. So let's not deceive ourselves. Got it. But what are the good parts of what goes on in the Silicon Valley? Because there is an esprit de corps. Yep, yep. I think that yes. one feels in that environment yep. that, that is part of the, the, the plus side. And the beautiful things I see in, it's not just in the Valley, but in entrepreneurship in general, Lisa, is, is the whole, the whole thing of what I call surfing with your knees bent. That if you were to use the look through the lens or the metaphor of, of surfing, uh, it, it was hilarious. I was downstairs doing this workshop a few minutes ago. In Michigan. In Michigan. Where people might not surf. Well, and, <laughs> and I asked for a show of hands, how many of you have surfed before? I, I, I'm not looking for experts. Nobody raised her or his hand. Uh, and I said, <laughs> Surprise. good, I have it either. <laughs> but we've all seen it on TV, right? And we, we all understand that here are a few basics. And so I'm going to, as a non-surfer, I'm going to teach surfing for a couple minutes on your podcast, if I may. Oh, please. Close your uh, eyes, everybody. Okay. Take close your moment. eyes. Click your heels. Okay. First of all, relax, stay loose, stay low. You know you're going to fall, dude. So understand that you're going to fall. Embrace it. And then understand that when you get up onto the beach after that wipeout, you're going to compare notes. Lisa, the most amazing thing happened that was tubular. And, and we look <laughs> totally but, tubular, totally. <laughs> and, and, but we learn so much more. And, and this sounds trite, but it's true. We learn so much more from our failures, the wipeouts than from our successes. And if that is something that great entrepreneurs and the Silicon Valley culture and more broadly speaking, American entrepreneurial culture has figured out is that whole embracing failure and it's, it's okay to have that, if you will, useful scar tissue. Oh, I've she's, not heard that term. she's wiped out a few times. Useful scar tissue. So, so she, she must know a bunch. I can learn from her. Yeah. Something just dawned on me as you were speaking about the bro culture in Silicon Valley and the aging out by yeah, the yeah. by the mid 30s i learned something the other day that busted a myth that i had yeah. about the prefrontal cortex of our brains the last mm -hmm. part of the brain that governs reason accountability decision making mm -hmm. and so on and so on i thought that this part of the brain finished its development at 25 i've learned at another conference that i attended uh that that's not true it becomes functional at age 25 and operational at 40. Maybe for women. For men, it's probably... 65. <laughs> Fair enough. No, no. I know. I, that, but, but that's very interesting, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that these young guys that are barely reaching the prime of their lives with less than full reasoning skills in mm -hmm. their brains are aging out of that environment before they're able to even become actualized intellectually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, That's crazy. And and being, shall we say, encouraged to retire out of that that culture. And that's when, whether it's 
men or women, that, that's when we start reaching the, the more high traction. Wow, I've got the useful scar tissue. My, my, what was it? The prefrontal. Prefrontal cortex. Gesundheit. Thank you. It's just above the left eye. I it's, knew that. I was yeah. just testing you. Yes. Okay. La- yeah. Last part of the brain in human, de- of a human oh, brain to okay. be developed. Okay. The most uh, modern part of our brain. Okay. And so that's the non-Neanderthal part. Well, what we're finding in, in Silicon Valley culture is this encouragement to, uh, to think young, to, to push for, it sort of flips the paradigm of experience is good on its head. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, no. Experience is not only bad, but, uh, but that'll just drag you down. Which is similar to if you pop the plane up to 30,000 feet and you look at the big picture, you start looking at whole industries where, you know, for example, you've got a person who will name unnamed uh, who's running a certain electric car company out in the valley. Uh, don't you, name names. Don't name names. Okay. <laughs> and he is basically pushing the idea that all these stupid car companies out in the Midwest, which happens to be, you know, right here in Michigan, what could they possibly know? They've only been doing this for a hundred years, building things that have over a hundred thousand parts, building 40 to 50 to a hundred thousand of those units. That is the cars per month. And if something goes wrong, people can die. That's not an easy thing to do well. A lot of, of learning curve experience has gone into that. But the folks at, okay, we'll name names, at, at Tesla are saying, oh, how hard can this be? Both making it better, faster, cheaper, cooler, but also that we can't learn anything from those ancient people, whether it's in Toyota City or in Detroit. Yes. Uh, it, which is, you know, they basically look down their noses at those who came before, whether they're individuals at the ground level or at 30,000 feet at the industry level. But what's interesting about what you just shared is, okay, since we've named names, what Tesla did do was by leading... Yes. Is challenge these other car companies to step up their game and get there faster. And that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Yes, that's a beautiful thing. And and one of the things that established, shall we say, non-Silicon Valley companies do or established organizations. It could be the University of Michigan or USC, right? Uh, It doesn't have to. It it could be a nonprofit hospital system. Established organizations, established companies will tend to be extraordinarily risk averse the bigger they get, right? You you hire in and in disappearing ink on the back of your business card, and they don't even tell you this. It says, don't break the China. (laughs) (laughs) Don't screw up what, you know, what has been built over the last 10, 50, 100 years because we've got shareholders, we've got, you know, 100,000 customers, whatever it is. Keep the status quo. That's right. Don't grow too much. Don't grow too much. Don't stick your neck out. And by the way, Lisa, you will move up in the organization, let's use a double negative, by not failing. Not by yes. succeeding. Yes. Not by right. taking risks. And And so that's something... What they've done at Tesla is they've taken huge risks. 
They now I, I make fun of it uh, or roll my eyes when it's well. How hard can this be to build a car and to build uh, tens of thousands per month and uh, to build a gigafactory for batteries? But good for them. Yeah. Yes. And good it is for hard. them, as you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Good. But good for them. But good for the challenge that it also makes to the others. I mean, I think that this is this is the exciting part of the yes. art of possibility, which you were talking yes. about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, they have challenged the art of the possible yes. uh, and said, you know, that that's BS. The, the current status quo is BS. And, and so that is something that ability and cultural willingness, uh, almost insistence on challenging the status quo, challenging the art of the possible, thinking big is a beautiful thing. Yes. As long as you have the, uh, as founders, if, if you and I are founders uh, of a new startup, as long as we have the intellectual humility to know that we don't have all the right answers. And that is what seems to have almost evaporated from Silicon Valley and, and scares me. Well, I think it is a little scary. Yeah. Here comes that break. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. Welcome back to this special episode that was recorded at the Positive Business Conference at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business, where industry leaders gather to promote greater well-being and performance through connection with self, others, and society for the greater global good. Let's return to my conversation with Jim Price. You talk about, in your talk, you spoke of faking it till you make it, you know, as the what not to do. Now, this is, is uh, sort of uh, contraindicated when we talk about sort of the positive attitude, you know, sort of faking that all things are possible and we're going to do this and then you know, sort of build it and they will come. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is the opposite belief. Well, it, it's it, is it contraindicated or the, the, the thing that's kind of scary about the fake it till you make it thing is let's be blunt is lying. Uh, it is uh, telling untruths. Yes. Uh, well, lying is not okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, we're on the same we're page. On the pa- same. We're, on, we're on the same. <laughs> lying is not okay. But yeah. uh, faking it till you make it and belief in oneself to be able to get there is, I think, part of what helps us get there. If, if we Faith. If we agree as co-founders on a dream that's a stretch... If we believe in that dream, we have a, a big vision. That's a wonderful thing. And one of the, the exquisite balancing acts of the great entrepreneurs, and, it, and if we're going to start a tech-enabled business, say, that we've got to achieve is this exquisite balance between that big vision and, you know, think of it as version 10.0, which may change the world, and the version no, seriously. <laughs> what does that version no, seriously look like? That what is the high traction starting point that we could introduce and, and start learning from our initial customers and start building it out from there? 
So that is learning to fly the plane while you're building it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of. Okay, you're scaring me now. But but, but this is scary is that, but, stuff. But is that but is that what it, you're it's, saying? It's, yes, it's taking calculated risks. Yeah. And it's it. Yes, I, I'm trying to teach myself to not say yes, but I'll say yes and. Yes, and that's lingo around here. The yes and right, yeah. And so yes, and we are only flying at ten or twelve feet off the beach. Right, we're not going uh, to thirty thousand know, feet you know, yet. We're, we're the right sisters yes. and brothers. Yes, and, yes, yes. And, and, and so, so let's take it one step at a time. We have invented flight. That's a good thing. It's going to change the world as we know it. But we are not uh, going to put three hundred person airliners at thirty five thousand feet yet. Yes. Well, and we actually that might be the big vision. We, we have done that, and it has not worked out very well in the last the, couple of months. There's that. Mm. <laughs> but we'll move on from there. Yes. I didn't mean to step into that so, territory, but we, oof, that's, that's, I know that that is scary stuff. But that is kind of what happened. But but let me let me ask you: Do you like I, not to skip around? But I'm an entrepreneur, ADD entrepreneur. Do you like my surfing metaphor? I do. I do like the surfing <laughs> metaphor, but not you know not at the expense of our lives. Oh, okay. Right, like going I, back I, I to the. I thought you were yeah. going to say not at the expense of, of this podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. I think on this podcast, anything flies and we can okay. have fun with it, as long as it's kind and, and legal. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's where I go. Because that's really what we're about. At the end I'm of the day, we're, 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 I'm with you, Lisa. we want to help everybody uh, live a better life. We were talking before we hit the go switch yes. a, a little bit ago about how you and I are both doing things, and this sounds so trite, but doing things where we do what we love, we love what we do, and therefore it doesn't feel like work. No. And yes, that sounds trite, but oh my gosh. And that's what I wish for, for all my entrepreneur buddies or my potential entrepreneur buddies who could be students, you know, I, I, I sit on boards and so on, is you can have fun at this without burning out. You can be kind. Yes. You can be at the end of the day, we're all judged by what people say about us behind our backs. We can't take the toys with us. Yeah. You know, fine, you made a billion dollars, whatever. You know, can you build a culture that is that is positive? Uh, even if I sell my companies, and I've sold a couple that pretty successfully, I actually just talked to two people this morning before my uh, before my workshop here who were former employees from a company I sold 21 years ago, and they are still there at the acquiring company. Wow. And one of the goals that my co-founder and I set for ourselves way back then was, let's make an impact on the community and let's create super cool jobs that people absolutely love. Yes. And I came away from those conversations saying, oh my gosh, we did it. That's the work. That's ultimately the work. It's yeah. not the widget and it's not yeah. the money. Yeah. It's, I think if, um, we can be successful in our endeavors in that way. Yeah. That the rest will come. And, and they're still in the same community. So we created great jobs for, for these people and, and their families in a community. They're still giving back. So it, it spawns a whole, uh, greater ecosystem. And this is where I see the, the ocean or the lake 
Yep. Separate. You know, when we talk about West Coast. Are we parting the seas? We're, or, we're parting the seas or, <laughs> or we're parting the lakes in the, in the Midwest here. Okay. Because one of the things I find so attractive about this program, mm-hmm. this conference, and the people that I meet here, mm-hmm. and is this ethic of a solid citizenry. And I know that sounds very trite to say that, mm-hmm. but that's, those are the words that come to mind. And with solid citizenry, comes integrity, comes humility, comes, you know, caring for our yes. our fellow man and woman. Yes. That, you know, your success is also my success. Yes. If I uh, enable you, if I support you, then together we rise. This is very different than most uh, West Coast mentality in terms of business. Not the, all. The, the Valley was like that when I went to GSB, Stanford Business School. Yeah. Uh, but that was a it, long time ago. It, that was a <laughs> Okay. We're dating ourselves here. (laughs) Yep. 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 Right. That, that has changed. And, and there's this, there's this presumption elsewhere. I mean, even in places, entrepreneurial uh, areas like New York, where you wouldn't necessarily expect it. It's, it's really cool. People have each other's backs. Yes. Chicago. So here on the North Coast, uh, you know, Chicago, Cleveland, Ann Arbor, Detroit. We've got each other's backs. Uh, the, all boats rise if we can uh, create a, a greater ecosystem. But part of that is there's no, it's not contradictory to say that on the one hand, we have a huge vision. We are v- going to be very aggressive and shoot for the moon while at the same time <laughs> being kind, yes. while at the same time having the intellectual humility uh, I, I sometimes refer to it as where I, I like to wear my ignorance on my sleeve because that's the place from which I can brush it off. Oh, so it's not sticky. Yes. Right. The ignorance right, is right, not right. sticky. Yeah. We are going to take a break. And okay. when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Jim Price to learn more about him, his work and his book, The Launch Lens, 20 Questions Every Entrepreneur Should Ask. Please visit the website about.me slash Jim Price. On Twitter, he is at Jim Price Startup. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people who live longer are more productive and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. Continuing my conversation with Jim Price that was recorded at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business Positive Business Conference, where industry leaders gather to promote greater well-being and performance through connection with self, others, and society for the greater global good. To learn more about the Positive Business Conference, please visit PositiveBusinessConference.com. Let's get back to my conversation with Jim. So, Jim, prior to the break, we were talking about sort of the culture that exists in Silicon Valley. And then we went to a place on the break where we were talking about life experiences. And you shared something that was, I think, extremely poignant and revelatory about another side or another dimension of you 
as a yeah. man, as a person mm -hmm. that has shaped you. And yeah. I, My dear son, Ben, took his life three years ago. And we were talking about how parenting never stops. Never. <laughs> and uh, and I, I know you have a child in college and, okay, two. Okay. One of the things that I have learned from this, you learn from everything in life. And, and it sounds so silly or trite, hackneyed to say that we learn more from our failures than from our successes. And wow. I think that's true. Right. I think and, it's a true but, thing. But it's but it is true. And yeah. and and we talk about that almost glibly at a business school and as we talk about as I I teach entrepreneurship and I coach entrepreneurs. But it, it's true in if you will real life as that that as we're building businesses we've got to have the perspective that you know it's okay for us to go home at 5.15 p.m. We don't all have to work till 9 because we're raising kids. Little things like yeah. that that are huge. I was building my first startup, oh gosh, 30 years ago. And I missed my uh, dearly departed son Ben's first steps because I was mm. selling B2B software in Japan at the time. And, you know... The good news is I closed some sales. The bad news is I was missing out. And it doesn't have to be that way. I think that this is something that as I look at the world through the lens of shades of gray and, and textures, I think the best entrepreneurs and the best leaders are those who understand that the world is shaded by by various shades of gray that it and if you can walk into a room as a leader and you not only pretend that you don't have all the answers you know you don't have the right answers yes. and the it's not so much the older we get but the more experience we allow ourselves to have the more that becomes a reality and people can read it from you as a leader that, wow, she wants me to contribute because she's not coming into this meeting thinking she has all the answers. Yeah. And part of that is just because as a leader, you walked into that room, if you will, as a grown-up with actual depth and texture. And so much of that doesn't come from your job job. No. Right? It comes from your family. It, it comes from falling off the surfboard in other parts yes. of your life. Oh, yes. And, and getting either a little bit dinged up or, or horribly hurt. But, you know, going back to leadership and entrepreneurship and, yeah. and building businesses, I mean, unfortunately, it, it's still, even in today's climate of, you know, equal opportunity, yep. there are not as many women in the C-suite as we would like. You know, there still right. is inequity in those areas. And you were saying we need to flip that. How do we flip that? Somebody smarter than, than I once said that if you think you're crazy, you're probably not. And I, <laughs> who was that? I don't know, but I, I do think I'm crazy. So I guess I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you? you're, you're, yes, I'm with you. Uh, so the corollary to that is half the challenge in life in any sphere is knowing that you've got a problem. And so I, I think just recognizing that we've got we've got an extraordinary problem. I mean, let, let, it's and, a good and, problem, actually. It's a good problem to have. 
Like how? Because now it's like, all right, this is a high quality problem. How do we get more women、yes. into these positions? Yes, that's a good problem. And and if you think about, I'm one of these people. I I try to do the best I can and recognize just as is part of my ethos and and it's uh in my um、uh, in my launch lens book. When you're building a business, start out. Not by boiling the ocean or trying to boil the ocean. Try to boil a pot of water really well first. And so, if I take that to on a personal level, we used to have fewer women proportionally、uh, going into entrepreneurship、uh, here at the business school than are represented in in the broad MBA class. And I looked at that, and and it's also fewer people of color. And I looked at that, and you know, so. For those of you listening to the podcast, I tilted my head like a dog and said,、yeah. "What's going on here?、Yeah. What's wrong with this picture?" Well, half the the challenge is understanding we've got a problem. So I I set my goal and the goal of the、uh, entrepreneurial studies department and、uh, the Zellery Institute for Entrepreneurship. Let's figure out a way to get. More women, more people of color, maybe disproportionately more、uh, than are in the general population here, into entrepreneurship. Why not? Not for our self-serving purposes as the the lecturers and professors or or the staff people, but rather to provide them with a a new set of lenses, knowing wow. The art of the possible is broader than I thought it was, and、yes. as I'm coming out of undergrad or grad school, I now see the world with a new set of lenses. I wanted that, so I just started building, building a reputation, and differentially, you know, pulling people into my office and and saying, "How are things going? What could we be doing better?" And you know,、uh, reputations travel. Uh, and, They do, and, and, it's, and I'm not even focusing on the individual reputation, but you know, there's a course you should take. That's you know, yes, that's an area you you ought to be exploring. It's really fun and rewarding, and could open up vistas for you later on in life. Well, and also when you tap into whether it's women or、uh, people of color, you know, you're going into other areas that are beyond white male entrepreneurs. You're、mm-hmm. also bringing up the art of possibility for new problems to be solved. Yes, new ones, new ones, and ones that a bunch of bros, a bunch of twenty-nine-year-old bros sitting around a keg—they're <laughs> going to save the world with their app, <laughs> right? So, it, 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 who are going to save the world with their app? They're not going to come up with that. And I mean, good grief. What what is it? Fifty two percent of the world's population are women. We、and、know things. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it just gently, we know things. <laughs> Or as they say in New York, we know stuff. We, yeah, we know stuff. We, we <laughs> know people. We know stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so we ought to include use. Yeah, use. That which is use is the plural of、yeah. you. Yeah. And, and I didn't always know that. But it's use. 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 But but my、oh, was it my cousin Vinny. <laughs> When he's when he's when he's before the judge and the yep, deep south,、yep. he says Utes, and he, the guy's like, "What do you say?" So Y O O T S Utes. Utes. <laughs> right, right. You know, the, there is the boil the ocean thing that you know if you're、um, 
what, what is the name of Steve Jobs' widow, it, Lorraine? Lorraine? Lorraine. But if you're somebody with power and money disproportionately, uh, if you're Melinda Gates, uh, you know, maybe you can uh, attack this from a top-down perspective. And meanwhile, all the rest of us shouldn't just say, oh, there's nothing I can do. There's a lot we can do. There is a lot. And, you know, I will tell you, I, I, someone comes to mind as you're describing the two of them, but then they had tremendous or have tremendous social capital that yes. opens doors to anything that they want to do, which is very, very valuable. Yeah. And then you think of somebody like um, Sarah Blakely, the woman yep. that started Spanx, right? Yep. Here's a gal yep. that had an idea like, what if, and by the way, I think this does save the world as a woman, and I'm saying it facetiously, to have those the, like yep. the old-fashioned yeah. girdles that, you know, smooths everything else, but you don't have to wear the pantyhose. Yeah. Lifesaver! <laughs> and she and she worked on this and built an empire based upon solving a problem. Yeah, yeah. To the part of the population that is spending the money. Yeah. Right. Women are the yeah. buyers. They're the purchasers. Yeah. yeah. Here comes that break. We'll be right back. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book. Are we happy yet? Eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. A boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. with Jim Price at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business at the Positive Business Conference where industry leaders gather to promote greater well-being and performance through connection with self, others, and society for the greater global good. We are talking about entrepreneurs who think big and start simple. Let's get back to the conversation. And so there you have an example of a woman entrepreneur. I, I don't know how she raised her money. But but that's the other thing. I mean, there, there are so many angles to this. I can be differentially teaching and, and trying to mentor more women and people of color. Uh, there are others who are forming angel groups uh, for early stage investment uh, focused on uh, women-run ventures, minority-run ventures, and so on. VC funds are starting. Yes. And you can't change the world overnight, but you can't be defeatist about it too. And so I, I like to focus on those things when I bring people into my class. You know, it, it's so interesting. I, I bring in uh, people to speak in my class and it's, you create a self-fulfilling prophecy because the women and the people of color will often come up and just privately say, you know, I just want to say thank you mm -hmm. uh, because Two thirds or all 
of the sampling of entrepreneurs, of lawyers, and and of venture capital investors that you brought in were not white bros. Thank God. God thank goodness. Yes, yeah. yes, and and. It doesn't. That was not. And hard there's nothing for, wrong with white bros. Let's not bash the bros. That's I, the other side of it. You I, know? I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, and <laughs> so I, I'm pale as the day is long. <laughs> I even have a bro. I, I have a brother in Philadelphia, but I'm not a frat boy. Just to just qualify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not that kind of bro. You're not that kind of bro, and you don't live in Silicon Valley. Used to. Used to. Don't anymore. What about thinking big? Because I think if you were to give a tip, yeah. would thinking big be like one of the, the best nuggets you could give people? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. One of my favorite student entrepreneurs I'm working with uh, the last couple of years, I've had the privilege of working with Gabrielle, uh, better known as Gabby. She just turned 20 and she's just started her third business. I mean, you can't make this stuff up anymore. It's the, what wow. you know, kids these days, what are they doing? Yeah, uh, they're in their phones all the time. <laughs> but you, not Gabby, not Gabby. Oh my gosh. Uh, so she's starting her third business. Um, it's in, without divulging too much, because it's it's still in stealth mode, I guess. But, but it's in the area of frozen desserts. I rolled my eyes at first until she explained what she had in mind, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this could be a huge success. She started running by a couple of us who uh, wear one hat as an entrepreneur in residence here, and, and she uh, started running by us her thoughts, her pitch deck, her forecasts, and I basically said, Gabs, uh, you're not thinking big enough. And she said, well, you know, I was counting on my fingers, this is paraphrasing, I was counting on my fingers and toes how many pints we could sell and how many crates we could ship to how many Whole Foodses or whatever, right? And I came up to, you know, let's call it a couple million by the end of the fifth year of her forecast. And I, I said, come on. Start thinking orders of magnitude bigger. Add on zeros. How big is the frozen desserts business in the U.S.? Roughly a lot. I, there was a better answer she had, but I'm sure. <laughs> and especially if it's because she's much better at math than I. Right? Yes. Especially if it's something yeah. that is health conscious that we don't feel which, guilty, which I, my guess is it is, without yes, knowing yes. anything and, and going out of stealth mode. Yes. And so you're absolutely right, Lisa. And, and there's a good example of you can go Midwest with this, if you will. Midwest, nice. And, and aw shucks, we're going to, uh, and it's not just the Midwest. It, it, it's everywhere outside of Silicon Valley, it seems. And, you know, maybe, you know, Boulder and Austin, people will tend to shy away from thinking huge. Um, huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> These accents are killing us, you know? Uh, so, but I, I think that if you allow yourself to think big, um, you, you may not get there, but you create stretch goals for yourself. Yeah. It's the daring. It's, it's, it's the stretch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I was the slowest kid on, uh, as, in terms of short distances on my high school and absolutely on my college track team. I never lost a hurdles race. 
And that's because I was thinking big. Well, okay, so let's work on what, what can I, I can practice harder. I can work on my starting technique. I can work on going over the first hurdle technique. I can work on, you know, all these things. And, and so I allowed myself to think big. I wasn't, I was a D3 athlete, not a D1 athlete, you know, uh, well, but, but you know what? If I had thought small and thought, well, I'm a slow white kid, which I was, and, and looked at it through that lens, nothing would have happened. Yeah. So it's the daring to think big yeah. that allows one to stretch oneself. And who are we not to sort of shine our brilliance? You know, I think that that's the other part of it is that each one of us has this pilot light, this, uh, yes. this capacity for yeah. greatness yeah. on some level. It doesn't matter what and it's different for each person yeah. and if we tamp that down if we don't ignite that and fuel that yep yep we will never achieve happiness let's go back to this whole thing about what is the art of the possible mm. that each of us has some area of brilliance and society school job jobs in the workplace can kind of grind you down and, and make you think that your, you know, your social life, you know, can, can make us all feel like, well, I'm kind of meh. I'm kind of mediocre. You know, actually, each of us is extraordinary at a few things. Yeah. And what I find is that here's a way to flip it around. Something that you'll find at business schools, you find this in the workplace, everywhere. It's really good to tear down somebody else's idea. Really easy, really easy rather to do so. It's really hard to listen to somebody else's ill-formed idea and say, okay, Lisa, that's kind of interesting. Now, have you thought about approaching it this way? You know, what would be really cool is if you could run that by so-and-so. Uh, she could really add a lot to that. And by lifting you up with that idea, it's a completely different ethos. And, and, and you end up with just different results. And if we can all do that, with our, allow ourselves the luxury of doing that with ourselves. Look in the mirror and say, you know, this could allow yourselves a smile. This could be, this could actually work. Yes. And, and, whom can I surround myself with? Wear your ignorance on your sleeve. Whom can I surround myself with? Who can I run this by to, to figure this out and flesh out this idea? And then flip it around. Can you behave that way toward others? Well, this is the generosity of spirit part, yes. which I think is uh, integral to yeah. the success of any venture, right? Because yes. none of us does any of this alone. This podcast doesn't get produced by myself alone. Yes. The work, the companies that you've started and you've sold, none of that is fueled by you alone. You know, you might have spearheaded it. It might have been your vision. But there's a there's a tribe behind you making it happen. <laughs> All the smart people as yeah. I think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, you know hopefully. Yes. I, I, I pray that the people that work on this are better, bigger, brighter, smarter yeah. than me. Because it makes the whole thing a better quality. So I'm a recovering jazz musician. And, and what makes jazz for me, Lisa, in, in building teams, building businesses, is surrounding myself with people who are smarter than I. 
who on a bad day with a wicked hangover <laughs> can fall out of bed and it's like, wow, what that person is doing is magical. Yeah. They do things in a certain sphere that are complementary to what I'm good at. And if I can surround myself with those A-list, A-plus list people who are just magically good at other things that complement what I bring to the table, that's jazz. And that's smart. But it, it takes a certain humility, which is also being self-possessed. That yes. I, I don't yes. have to go into every room being the smartest person in the room or trying to pretend. Right? And that's the authenticity piece, you know, the being yeah, willing yeah. To, to just show up yeah. in truth, being authentic, being willing to be vulnerable. I mean, I think that that's an, a yeah. word that has come up a lot in the last couple of days here, mm-hmm. that vulnerability, which has been made very fashionable by yes. the likes of Brene Brown, who's incredible. Yes. Yes. But there is something to that, the, the willingness to just so wear your heart on your sleeve, yeah. knowing full well you could fail or it could be broken. And the upside of doing so is there could be such a tremendous reward beyond money mm-hmm. that it makes it worth the risk. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe that's the spot right there to learn more about the work yes. of Jim Price and his book, which I'll give you the title again, The Launch Lens, 20 Questions Every Entrepreneur Should Ask. Please go to about.me slash Jim Price. That has a landing page that will guide you to the everything about Jim Price on Twitter at Jim Price Startup. And the talk that he gave today at the Positive Business Conference was Good and Bad Lessons on Company Culture from Silicon Valley. And thank you for taking the time to talk about the art of possible with me. Lisa, this has been such a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and along with my guest, Jim Price, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of action. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.